the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, August the 4th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On August 4, 1944, 15-year-old Anne Frank, Anne Frank as in Anne Frank's diary, was arrested with her sister, parents, and four others by the Gestapo after hiding for two years inside a building in Amsterdam. Anne and her sister Margot died at the Bergen-Belsen concentration camp. We know that story well. It's been told. Her father had bought her a diary and given it to her before they went into hiding. And during that period of time, she kept notes in her diary and she filled the diary until two year, for two years while they were inside this building. It was actually a warehouse in Amsterdam. After she and her sister had lost their life and other family members as well, her father was given, someone found the diary left in that, uh, in the warehouse. They gave it to her father and her father had it published in her honor and it became famous in a movie and so on, as you know. Anyway, that all started. The, the arrest took place today, 1944. Today in 1790, the U.S. Coast Guard had its beginnings. President George Washington signed a measure authorizing a group of revenue cutters to enforce tariff, trade laws, and prevent smuggling. Today in 1830, plans for the city of Chicago were laid out. Today in 1916, the United States reached agreement with Denmark to purchase the um, Danish Virgin Islands. We paid $25 million for them. Today in 1977, President Jimmy Carter signed a measure establishing the Department of Energy. Today in 1987, I remember this one well, the Federal Communications Commission voted four to nothing, four to zero, to abolish the Fairness Doctrine, which required radio and television stations to present balanced coverage of controversial issues. This is how um, how Associated Press reports this. I get information from Associated Press uh, and and probably 50 other sources or more. But that's how they present this uh, particular issue as something that happened today in history. But they present it as though all of a sudden radio and television became unfair. That's not true. They took the shackles, the FCC took the shackles off the stations. At that time, I was had a daily television show, a morning show. on, on it, it originated from Coin TV, a CBS affiliate in Portland, Oregon. And um, we were on a number of other network stations. And I had to be very careful. I couldn't express any, you know, support for or anything, you know, a, a Republican or a conservative, in this case, Ronald Reagan, uh, without, you know, talking about his opponents and all the other stuff. And all of a sudden, when that went into effect, it, it just sort of was like a, a deep breath for many of us. I know myself and, and many, many others as well. 
So, but the Associated Press, in reporting that, they like to present it as though all of a sudden radio and television became something not to be believed. And it wasn't exactly that way. And so much of the news is that way. I had to take a moment and underscore that. You probably already know the news is not very reliable anymore. Today in 2020, nearly 3,000 tons of ammonium nitrate. It had been improperly stored for years in the port of Beirut, uh, Lebanon. It exploded. It killed more than 200 people. It injured more than 6,000 and devastated uh, nearby neighborhoods. It was one of the largest non-nuclear explosions ever recorded on the planet. Earlier this summer, President, uh, former President Barack Obama had a private lunch with President Biden. They didn't want anyone to know about it. They didn't put it out in the news or anything. They just had a little luncheon together where it was just the two of them, and Barack Obama had a brother-to-brother discussion with his old friend and compadre, Joe Biden. We now know. The reason for the luncheon was Barack Obama voiced concern about Donald Trump's political strengths to Joe Biden. He said, I think we're underestimating them. It included, and he said he has an intensely, he told Joe Biden, an intensely loyal following. He said that he has a Trump-friendly conservative media ecosystem and a polarized country. So he said, said, this underlies my worry that Trump could be more formidable as a candidate than many Democrats realize. He was telling Joe Biden this in private. Obama emphasized that his concern was not related to Biden's ability to function. He told him that three times. Joe I'm not worried about your ability to function. The reason he wasn't uh, wasn't worried about his ability to function is he doesn't function. But people like Barack Obama and two or three others, and they're all people who have worked for or do work for Obama in the past and Biden now, they're pulling the strings. And it's not a secret with these people. So anyway, he said, I'm not worried about, and he made that point several times, I'm not worried about your your ability to function, but rather Trump's grip on the conservatives in the country. Now, why would Obama feel it was important to make that statement? And more so, what I'm wondering personally is, why would that now be leaked to the press? That came out just this week. The Washington Post leaked the story. They said, well, it wasn't supposed to be out, but here's the story. Well, of course it was supposed to be out. Somebody in that room, if it was really was just Barack and Joe, either Joe or Barack leaked this story to the press, and the Washington Post stands ready to follow the command of the left. So why would they leak that story now? I think, I think they're getting, I mean, this is just speculation on my part. Again, I haven't met with either of them lately or ever, but I think that maybe this is the beginning of kind of a move to get Joe Biden not to run and to kind of take him off the ballot. I don't know, but I know there's a lot of Democrats, powerful ones like Obama, that are very skeptical about his ability to win another election, even with all of the stuff that goes on at 2 o'clock in the morning at the 
ballot counting stations. This may not be that, but I, I'm wondering if, if if there isn't something here that's going on. I mean, why would they leak that? I mean, it's just a luncheon, for goodness sakes. But why would they leak that and leak the topic that Obama was talking with Joe Biden about quite some time ago? It was this summer, but it was early this summer, and we're you know midway or beyond midway through the summer. So why would they do that now? I mean, everyone... It wasn't to confirm that Obama isn't, you know, concerned about Biden's ability to function because everybody's concerned about that. I mean, it's clear. You know, why would Obama feel it was so important to make that statement? Because everyone in the world knows Biden is greatly impaired. He struggles to walk up the stairs to Air Force One. I mean, he falls down all the time. He falls off his bicycle. He can't string several sentences together. I, I don't mean that maliciously. I, I, it's just a fact. So I don't know. Something's going on behind the scenes. I sh- I'm sure we'll learn at some point. But anyway, I just thought I'd drop that as one of the things that we should know about. Consequences is something that we apparently don't know about or we refuse or dis- decide or choose not to know a whole lot about it. Everything we do, there are consequences. I was interested in some things that Benjamin Franklin said, and I was reading some of his quotes earlier this morning after I had read Scripture. And I read this quote. Benjamin Franklin said, The U.S. Constitution is likely to be administered for a course of years, then end in despotism, when the people shall become so corrupted as to need despotic government being incapable of any other. In other words, when people become corrupt, the consequence of that is despotism, as far as government is concerned. He's one of the founders. He's the guy that called for prayer when they were writing the Constitution, that God would lead them and guide them in writing and creating this document that has become a world-class document, nothing ever like it before in the history of the world. But he's saying, in this quote, he's saying, It will work for a while, but if corruption sets in, and it probably will because man is fallen nature, we're sinful. He said if if people become corrupted, probably speaking more to leadership, but to all of us, he said that that creates the need or the consequence of that is despotism because we have become, through our corruption, incapable of any other. And talking about consequences, the Bible, the message of the gospel of the Bible is really about consequences. I mean, nowhere is it more plain than Romans chapter 6, verse 23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The whole message of the gospel can be brought down to one, one consequence, If we don't accept Christ as the covering for our sin and ask him to forgive us of our sin, he has paid the price for it through his death and resurrection. And if we don't ask Christ to forgive us of our sins and enter a personal relationship with him, we can be as religious as the Pharisees. But it won't matter. The consequence 
is death, because the soul that sinneth shall die. Except that Christ died for our sins. And so we accept Christ, and he is the covering for our sins. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about consequences. So the consequence of accepting Jesus Christ as Savior is eternal life in heaven with God. The consequence of not accepting that message, the gospel, by not accepting Jesus Christ as Savior and asking him to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from our unrighteousness because we're all sinful and unrighteous, the wages of doing that is eternal life in heaven. But the consequence of not doing that is eternity in hell. Consequences are very, very important. I was reading a story in the New York Times this morning. I found it very fascinating. It's a long story. I just want to touch on it for a couple of minutes, and then I want to move on. But the the article is written by a guy named German Lopez, He's got to be a far left because I don't think anybody there would be writing for the New York Times if they weren't. I mean, really, he's a staff writer. He's talking about Oregon. And he said, when Oregon was getting ready to vote on whether to decriminalize all drugs in 2020, I was covering the story for Vox. That's a leftist news organization. He said, during my interviews with the leaders of the decriminalization campaign, this is Portland, Oregon. He said, they often cited Portugal. It decriminalized all drugs in 2000, Portugal did. In the, in the years after, Portugal's drug-related problems declined. But he said, I found the comparison to be inexact. Even as Portugal ended prison time and drug possession, it created a unique system that pushed people to stop using drugs. Sometimes with the continued threat of penalties, like the revocation of a person's professional license, Oregon didn't plan to exact similarly tough penalties, and advocates for decriminalization did not have a clear explanation for why their law would work as well as Portugal's. Well, he said, our conversations left me wondering whether Oregon could repeat Portugal's success if the decriminalization initiative passed. He continues, he said, well, it did pass with more than 58% of the vote. The results have not been good. Overdose deaths have spiked Drug users have overrun public spaces in Portland, as Jordan Gale and Jan Hoffman reported for the Times this week. This is this morning's New York Times. They show a graph. This is Oregon. It would be specifically more related probably to Portland than the rest of the state. Same thing could be said of Seattle and the rest of the state. But it shows this of uh, overdose deaths in Oregon. In 2015, there were 500 overdose deaths in Oregon. In 2022, there were 1,364. This Lopez continues, as I said, it's a long article, but I'm going to give you another paragraph here. He says, at four in the afternoon, the streets can feel like Dealer Central, said Jennifer Merle, who runs a downtown coffee shop and wine bar with her brother. At least 20 to 30 people in ski masks, hoodies, and backpacks, usually on bikes and scooters. He said, that's, there's no point for calling the cops. The implication is they, don't, they won't come. And that's true in many cities, not just Portland, but it is true, I'm sure, there. On, the, on, her, walk, on her walk to work, Merrill often sees needles, shattered glass, human feces, 
and people who are passed out. She said in in today's article, she said, uh, this uh, Lopez says, I'll use Oregon's disappointing experience to consider a larger lesson about drug policy. And he calls it a carrot, but no stick. The whole article is about how there are consequences to our actions. There are consequences consequences to what we do. And he goes on to point out that Portugal, when they did that, they had tough motivators to make to cause people to want to kick the drug habit. Oregon, oh no, they just say, well, just go for it. Seattle does the same thing, and and Portland and Seattle are walking in lockstep step with San Francisco and other cities as well. But here on the West Coast, I mean, they're the premier dummies. I mean, that's what they're doing. So the result of that then is the squalor on the streets. There are consequences to what we do and what we believe. With that in mind, let's take another look at these companies that are doing this. And this is a parallel to our personal lives as well. Anheuser-Busch and Disney and all of these guys. I mean, they're a company, but they're run by individuals. And decisions are made by individuals. But it's a parallel of our own lives and and the decisions that we make. In our own lives, there are consequences. And somehow this generation seems to have gotten itself to a point where we don't, we either don't believe there are consequences or we just live in denial. Say, well, there's no consequences. And progressivism really nurtures that so-called progressivism. The leftist ideology, relativism, it all nurtures the idea that, yeah, you can do what you want to do. There's no consequences. Despite Bud Light's financial collapse, and they are collapsing, not the Anheuser-Busch, but Bud Light that's owned by them, the beer. And I must say it again, I have talked about this company several times. I don't drink alcohol, any kind of it. So it just doesn't affect my life personally, I, I can tell you. But there's a lesson to be learned here. And since these Bud Light's financial collapse... The CEOs didn't seem to be learning from their beer brand's fatal partnership with this Dylan Mulvaney, transgender. That, the experts say, or they're choosing to be ignorant. So they either didn't learn or they're choosing to be ignorant. The New York Post says Bud Light distributors no longer expect sales to recover from the Dylan Mulvaney disaster. Apparently, Disney has also reconciled their losses for the same reasons. They're making significant cuts uh, almost every part of their business and suggesting even that they have made suggestions recently that maybe they'd sell off ESPN, the sports channels are part of it, ABC, they own that, and other corporately owned companies. Why are the brand name companies, though, still jumping on board this gender mutilation, also known as gender-affirming healthcare, this wagon? Well, there are reasons, I'm sure. The New York Post says many Anheuser-Busch distributors say they're resigned to the painful Bud Light losses and that they have given up on luring back disaffected customers following that transgender fiasco. After four months of hiring freezes, layoffs, with some beer truck drivers getting heckled, harassed, even as Bud Light sales have dropped more than 25%, Anheuser-Busch wholesalers have accepted that they have lost a chunk of their customers for good. 
and they need to focus on a new crop of beer drinkers. Consumers have made a choice, said an executive at a Texas-based beer distributor company. He didn't want to be identified, but he said they've left Bud Light and that's how it's going to be. He said, I don't envision a big percentage of them ever coming back. Disney has apparently come to the same conclusion. Starbucks, they sort of have tippy-toed around the whole LGBTQ issue, appearing to be supportive and to the activists and the, the flag on the building and all this stuff. But they're appearing, wanting to appear not to be not so much supportive that they're all in. And of course, that's created issues with the LGBTQ community. So they're fighting with that. They're trying to pretend that they're not supportive of all of this destructive behavior that's going on in the LGBTQ community. But they're also trying to appear to be all in have your back kind of thing, as Joe Biden has likes to say. Target has apparently chosen the same path. They put this all of their products right up front. You walk in, and, and I understand it was just overwhelming. And then the pushback started, and people goes, nope, I'm not taking my kids to Target. So they move all the stuff, and they reduce the amount of the stuff they have, and they move it clear to the back of the store. And they think that will mitigate the consequences, but it doesn't. People still stay away. So why are they doing this? I mean, at their own peril. Sarah Holliday was writing for The Stand. That's a news site that's part of the Family Research Council. She said this. She said, quote, despite Bud Light's financial collapse, some CEOs don't seem to be learning from the beer brand's fatal partnership with this, this Dylan Mulvaney. She said the experts say, or they're choosing to say they are, or they're choosing to be ignorant or whatever. She says, what consumers outrage continues to crush businesses that align with the trans ideologies? She said, they, they're continuing. She said, Dr. Martins, the shoe, shoe people, now they've jumped on board. And this cost of coffee, they're jumping into the fray. They're openly promoting gender mutilation by picturing bare-chested women with top surgery scars on their products. On their products, their tennis shoes, and their boots, and all this kind of thing. And the coffee company, this Costa Coffee, they're jumping into it. They're doing the same thing. They're putting on their products, on their coffee cups, and all this, women who have had their breasts removed, and it shows very prominently the scar where they used to be, and the little stitches, and like where surgery was done. Uh, It's just unbelievable. This Lauren Fox is kind of an activist. She she tweeted directly to Costa Coffee. She said, you are promoting the mutilation of healthy young girls. I hope you are boycotted out of existence. But see, they don't care about that kind of thing. She also noted the celebration of females who have undergone double mastectomies in the name of gender affirmation is spreading, appearing now on Dr. Martin's shoes, new DIY shoes, they're called, Costa Coffee's advertising, and even a video game, Sims 4, where the player could create an avatar with breast removal scars. This brand, these brands, like Bud Light, are faced with intense criticism quickly. Jay Richards at the Heritage Foundation, he commented on this. He said, did Dr. Martin's poll test this allusion to top surgery with his customer base? Well, of course they did. He knows the answer to that. Heritage Foundation is a great, great organization. He said, or is it making the same foolish mistake made by Bud Light? According to a poll conducted by the Washington Post Kaiser Family Foundation, 
there's an overwhelming majority of Americans, 68%, oppose minors having access to this gender transition procedure nonsense. It's idiocy. And while Bud Light may not have a market for minors, video games and shoes, shoe brands, Dr. Martens and coffee shops, they do. There's a company called Strive Management, and the head of the corporate governance is a guy named Justin Danhoff. He's kind of jumped into this, and he said, despite its name, Dr. Martens is not actually led by medical doctors. He said, weighing in on a controversial elective surgeries to promote one side of the transgender debate is not why the company was founded more than 75 years ago. He said, its purpose is to create quality shoes and boots, and that's what it should focus on. That's so true. There are people that are responding to this from the business community, and they're saying, you know what? This is out of control. The consequences are going to be too great. In fact, even famed Wharton School of Business, Trump's alma mater, they've published a book titled Avoiding the Traps That Can Cause Your Company to Self-Destruct. And they go through all of this. The book is written by this Jagdish chef. He he deals with the topic, the self-destructive habits of good companies and how to break them. I, I... previewed it. I didn't read it, but I, I kind of summarized, read through some of it. But it, it's very, it looks like it'd be very interesting to somebody who's running a company, whether it's your own, a small one, or a larger one, or whatever. But it maintains that successful companies fall prey to uh, complacency, arrogance, competency dependence, competitive myopia, territorial impulse, volume obsession, and denial And then he goes on to suggest ways that companies can change the course and avoid these steps. But chapter three got my attention. It's specifically, it's about arrogance. That's the title of of chapter three of this book, Arrogance, Pride Before the Fall. Well, that's a biblical principle, of course. In ancient Greek drama, the book says, arrogance or hubris was the tragic flaw that led the downfall of great heroes. In today's world, the same flaws has caused mighty companies to stumble. Let's consider a number of scenarios that are likely to give rise to arrogance. Then he goes through all of this stuff. It's been said that success courts its own demise. It does. The book goes on to analyze a number of well-known companies that have failed or nearly failed for these reasons. These businesses remind me of Rome and its empire. Disney has shown us the way to the bottom of Magic Mountain. So did the Roman Empire. Why? Well, the answer is found in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, or the Christians in Rome, and to all of us. In Romans chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, Paul says, I am debtor both to the Greek, to the barbarians, both to the wise, the unwise. So much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome as well. This is the antithesis of pride and arrogance. It's the heart of a servant. It's humility. Verse 16 shows that he understands his mission. He said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God into salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and the Greek. He continues with this message to all of us. He explains that God has shown himself to all of us, but some rebel. The result, in verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Wherefore God has given them up now to uncleanness with their lusts of their own hearts. They changed truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections and all of these things that are now being celebrated 
on everything from tennis shoes to beer cans. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, he gave them over to a reprobate mind. That's what's happening in America. It happened in Rome. Don't let it happen in your life. I'll see you Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.